Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga means oneness, and it refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously rest in our essential spiritual nature. It can be described really as being restored to our original wholeness, abiding in the conscious awareness of our true self. This is self-realization, which is knowing the truth of our being, experiencing it directly, and then living in harmony with that truth. Today's topic is the nectar of immortality, Soma, the eternal universal energy of peace, bliss, and delight. And a special guest is Pandit Vamadeva Shastri, Dr. David Frawley, who's bringing his depth of knowledge in the fields of Ayurveda, Yoga, and Vedas to our conversation as we focus on Soma, the power of rejuvenation and immortality. The secret of Soma holds profound implications for the body, mind, and spirit, and our ability to transform our lives through spiritual awakening and rejuvenation. Pandit Vamadeva Shastri, or Vedacharya David Frali, is a Western-born teacher in the Vedic tradition. In India, Vamadeva is recognized as a Vedacharya, meaning a Vedic teacher, and includes in his scope of studies Ayurveda, Yoga, Vedanta, and Vedic astrology, as well as the ancient Vedic texts. Over the past 25 years, um, he has authored several definitive texts in these fields. And his latest work is uh, Soma, 
in yoga and Ayurveda, The Power of Rejuvenation and Immortality. And that work is going to guide our conversation today. He's the founder and director of the American Institute of Vedic Studies. And you can visit his website. It's vedanet, V-E-D-A-N-E-T dot com for more information. Welcome, Vamadeva. I'm so happy that you're back on the Yoga Hour today. Well, it's my honor to be with you again, Ellen, or Uma, as we also call you. And I'm always finding your program to be very informative, very profound, uh, delightful, and uh, I always look forward to being on it. Thank you so much. As we begin our conversation now about this Important, and I think it's a timely topic of soma. You know, in a, at a personal level and a planetary level, let's take a moment simply for a centering meditation. Let us acknowledge one reality called by many names, that is the source, the support, the substance of all that is, one unchanging, indivisible reality, right here and right now, let us just intend to open our hearts and our minds to experiencing that source of life, that divine presence that is everywhere at all times with us, within us, between us, through us. So just with your breath, feel that you are diving into the ocean of infinite life, immortal life, pure existence being. Breathing out, let go of any tension or stress. Breathing in, coming into this expanded awareness. become aware of our divine nature, our immortal nature that is beyond words and thoughts. We touch the peace within us that is always there, that is unconditional. So right now, feel or imagine that you touch this peace and invite it to come forth to shine into your mental field, into your physical body. And let's intend to abide in this peace today and to let it overflow everywhere we go as a blessing for all beings. Shanti. Soma is a delightful topic to think about what is immortality and how does that relate to longevity. On a spiritual level, we're already immortal, 
whole and complete. This is the eternal essence of our being. And on a material and practical level, or we're here in the body, we, we want to have some experience of that immortality. We want to be able to express it as a long and healthy life. So today we're going to look at this concept of soma and how it relates to our natural desire for immortality, for longevity, and rejuvenation. So first, Vamadeva, let's take a look at where this um, urge for uh, immortality comes from within us. I mean, we all want to live forever. So how do we, where does that come from, and how do we connect it to this um, topic? Uh, yes, actually you've already said it. We are immortal in our true nature as pure consciousness, and that pure consciousness is also pure bliss. So we have a sense of that. We have an intuition of that. We have a desire to return to that. But we also have a desire to experience that to some degree in the physical body, and we also sometimes make the mistake of trying to experience immortality through the physical body, even though the body uh, dies. So that desire is inherent within us, and we need to honor it, but we need to discover where it truly lies. The body can be a vehicle to help us realize our true and immortal nature, but it must remain an instrument. We need to treat it properly. We can make ourselves live longer, but that comes from discovering the true immortality within our heart and within our deeper self. Mm. And I think that you know, when we don't examine this um, innate sense of remembrance uh, correctly, I mean, like you, like you said, we all have it. It's based on the truth of our being, the sense that we will live forever. But there is, um, you know, with the sleep of not being awake, I think sometimes um, people fail to... Um, by failing to explore what that is really about, there's a, there's a sense that we'll be here in this body for longer than we really will, if you, if you know what I mean. So, you know, that there's a sense that, you know, people avoid the idea that the body is going to die. That's my point. Um, because there is a sense of immortality, so there's a kind of... Um, a veil about really looking at the the fact that the body does not um, live forever, at, at least for most. <laughs> and um, it, and so examining this, this urge where it comes from, examining the nature of our being, but also understanding that the body itself is not immortal is a critical piece of this. Yes, in fact, the very fact that we have this desire for immortality also shows us that we are not the body. If we were simply the body, we wouldn't have this sense of an eternal existence. So this desire for immortality can also help us transcend the body as well as being the basis of attachment to the body. In in your book, you have a beautiful uh, explanation. You begin with taking a look at where you know immortality really exists, um, and examining the body, and also the mind, um, as well as our essential nature, and. Um, you know, looking at the mind um, having a slightly different relationship to immortality um, than the body or the essential self. So could you tell us a little bit about that? 
Well, what I've said there is that the mind has what I call relative immortality, and consciousness has absolute immortality. It may feel strange to have this idea of a relative immortality and an absolute immortality, but what we mean is that the mind has a continued existence from life to life. Uh, the core of the mind is reborn. It carries our karmic essence, our karmic patterns that will take us on to another birth. So the mind itself doesn't die totally, but it does uh, go back to its core. And so we say it has a kind of relative immortality. But the problem is the ego of one birth forgets the ego of the other birth, and the karmic patterns, the samskaras that come on, then we fail to take responsibility for them or acknowledge them. So part of immortality is uh, going back and understanding this relative immortality of the mind, and the relative immortality of the mind connects us to the absolute immortality of consciousness. When we calm the mind and go back to the core of the mind, we can go back deeper and take the leap from the mind, which is an embodied or karmic intelligence, to the pure consciousness of immortality that is our true self and transcends inherently the process of reincarnation or birth and death. Mm, and that's so, it's such a, a beautiful model, such a helpful way of seeing our, our being and what it gives us some insights into um, the purposes of our spiritual practice, in particular meditation and um, contemplation. Um, in terms of how we work with the mind, it's almost like, you know, the mind is a mediator, is the term that came to me as I was listening to you. Um, you know, learning uh, what role the mind plays in, in our ability to awaken to our immortal life. Um, tell us about SOMA. Um, what what that word means and, um, you know, how it is connected to immortality. Well, first of all, the term soma means that which expands or swells or creates or enlivens, transforms. So it has a number of meanings that way. But on another level, soma is a cosmic principle, and in Vedic thought we look at the universe relative to the duality of Agni and Soma, which are like the yin and yang of the Vedic thought. So Agni is fire, Soma is water, Agni is the male, Soma is the female, Agni is the mountain, Soma is the valley, Agni is the seer, Soma is the scene, Agni is the enjoyer, Soma is the enjoyment. Uh, it, has, it exists on many, many different levels and pervades the universe. Agni is light and Soma is the water or Soma is the essence that comes through the light. So it's a universal metaphor. But at a deeper level, Soma is the ananda or bliss, which is the ultimate foundation of all these other somatic forms of delight, nourishment, nourishment food, uh, and so forth. Uh, so Soma has that connection with the ananda, and as the bliss is the immortal factor, and it's that bliss that causes us to want to live forever, and it's in that bliss that we live forever. Now, our lives are also about the pursuit of enjoyment, which is the pursuit of bliss. But what's happening is we're pursuing that bliss or soma externally, which means we're running after enjoyment in the external world, which is to lose the bliss or happiness uh, within ourselves. 
So we like to distinguish between the outer soma, which is the external forms of pleasure, enjoyment, delight, and the internal soma, which is the delight, the ananda, the bliss in our own being, consciousness, self, awareness, and in our own immortal soul. Mm. This and sometimes the ways in which we are looking for uh, soma for this bliss or happiness externally um, can actually uh, trap us um, in into various um, dependencies or addictions that um, thwart our ability then to realize this internal um, essence of being um and in it and what we're really looking for is the true essence right that you know soma is related to the the essence of our being ultimately is that correct yes in fact we were looking for lasting happiness and bliss but everything we seek externally is going to be outside of ourselves and based upon circumstances so it has to be transient and it will eventually lead us uh, to sorrow. But our outer life, even our, our whole culture, is based upon the pursuit of happiness, which is essentially an external pursuit through the senses. And in our modern high-tech world, we have so many now forms of stimulation, medicinal and recreational drugs, all kinds of uh, competing, uh, computer and media-based forms of entertainment. We have such a variety of the external somas that we can easily get lost in them. We're reminded of Aldous Huxley's uh, famous novel, Brave New World, where he portrayed a culture that had a drug or a substance called soma that they took and was very addicted to these external uh, new high-tech forms of sensation. So that is the reality of our world today in which soma becomes a very important idea and concept and understanding so that we can understand or at least appreciate the outer soma and, you know, experience it for what it is, but we must realize that our true happiness is only in the inner soma, which is the divine bliss, love, peace, and happiness that is always with us and which never goes away. And there's a whole science, a whole Vedic science that you, that you, of course, have gone into in, in wonderful depth in your book that, that has to do with um, how we come to recognize, to realize, to experience, and to know um, true soma, soma that is going to be lasting. So, um, Justin, we have just a moment left before the break. If you could just... Just touch on, and we'll come back to it, how SOMA relates to um, rejuvenation. Well, SOMA also exists as a physiological principle within us. There are certain uh, factors or secretions of the brain that we call SOMAs that give the organism a sense of happiness, contentment, uh, equilibrium, uh, adaptation, strengthen, strengthening of the immune system. Uh, so that soma is very important for our physical well-being, and we generally go after things in life that stimulate that soma or that produce that soma artificially. And what yoga and Ayurveda allow us to do is yoga and Ayurveda give us the means of producing that inner soma through the brain that has the ability to rejuvenate the body, uh, to rejuvenate the mind, and also to uh, help us live longer 
and to free us from dependency on the external forms of soma. Mm. When we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit more about rejuvenation and longevity. Um, we have a we, we've talked a little bit about why we would want it, but I think on a more practical level, um, it's going to be interesting to hear more about that. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Vedacharya David Frawley. We'll be right back with you. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. You ask with childlike wonder, what is the nature of God? Who is Jesus? What is the Christ? How do we know what we know? When you ask these or other heart-centered questions about the non-physical, intangible aspects of life, you are, on some level, a student of metaphysics. New from Unity House and nearly five years in the making, Heart-Centered Metaphysics, a deeper look at Unity teachings, is now available. This is Paul Hasselbeck author of this quintessential study guide. Enjoy a deeper exploration of universal spiritual principles and truths, whether you are just starting or have been seeking for years. Each thought-provoking chapter of Heart Center Metaphysics speaks to truth seekers like you, providing essential tools to help elevate your consciousness and create spiritual transformations in your outer life and circumstances. Order your copy today from the Unity Online Store at www.unity.org. Then click on Shop. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and I'm joined today by Vedacharya David Frawley. In this segment, we're going to um, be focused on rejuvenation and longevity. Um, let's begin um, with just 
touching on some spiritual reasons why we might want to pursue longevity and rejuvenation. I mean, you know, we, we of course see in our, in our culture on the negative side of it, I think, you know, when people are reaching the later years when it really should be uh, a time of greater spiritual focus, um, there's more of an outer, um, you know, using whatever means possible to stay as young as possible, <laughs> um, that just sort of missing the point of the stages of, of life that are available to us and what is appropriate for those stages. But Beyond that, um, there is uh, there are spiritually compelling reasons for us to um, take care of ourselves and um, to do what we can for rejuvenation and longevity. So let's start there, Rama David. Tell us a little bit about our good spiritual reasons um, for this. Well, first of all, it's very difficult to awaken spiritually in the physical body, in the physical world, because there is so much ignorance and distraction. So if that does occur, we do want to live as long as we can to benefit from the times that we have to do our spiritual practice and to promote our uh, sadhana. And it's also true that in the later phases of life, when the pranas settle down a bit, uh, we're also better able to make some spiritual advancement that's harder to do uh, when we're younger. So being able to live longer can be very important for us uh, spiritually. In addition, the factors that allow for rejuvenation also give us health and well-being, and we need that health and well-being in order to pursue our spiritual practices later on in life. And then uh, finally, it's not just rejuvenation, but rejuvenation of the body, but rejuvenation of the mind. Mm-hmm. And rejuvenation of the mind does also rest upon rejuvenation of the body. So if we want a, a healthy, aware, perceptive, and spiritually growing mind and intelligence, keeping the body healthy and rejuvenated is part of the process. Mm, and and the focus, I think, says it all. You know, if we have an understanding that, of course, the the mind can continue to um, be clarified and and to grow, and you know, the new brain research is is very hopeful for us today, showing us that uh, you know, not as once thought, that, you know, the brain doesn't stop um, renewing itself as we age. So that is very hopeful and it's totally in alignment with these teachings that, um, we can continue our spiritual journey and having a healthy, um, body and mind are a part of that. Now, it seems that, you know, part of rejuvenation, um, you know, it has to start with some purification, um, you know, if we if we have not taken care of the instrument along the way, then an essential first step is going to be um, purification, um, and that has to do with Agni, I would think. So, tell us a little bit about that, um, the importance of purification, and how Agni comes into that. Well, there's always a balance of the therapies in Ayurveda or any natural healing of purification and, re- and rejuvenation or reduction and uh, tonification or detoxification and uh, rebuilding. That purification process rests more on fire, which burns, which improves the digestion, which removes toxins, uh, which improves the circulation, whereas the rejuvenation process depends upon the soma, which is a deeper level of nourishment, uh, rebuilding of the tissues, special 
nutritive and energizing type uh, herbal medicines. So these two always go together. But the general rule is detoxification or purification must precede the tonification or the rejuvenation because if we have the toxins inside of ourselves, these will promote decay and these will prevent the rejuvenation from actually occurring. So this is the importance of things like fasting, uh, what we call this whole panchakarma procedure in the Ayurvedic system. Many forms of detoxification are out there. So these are important as a preliminary step and Agni is the power for that. At the same time, we can at times overdo the detoxification or the purification, trying to reduce the body too much and actually deplete ourselves. So even when we are doing these purification processes, we do need to be aware that they are preliminary to a rejuvenation process, and we need to have a long-term plan that includes that as well. Mm, and the and the balance, um, which, of course, is at the heart of yoga and Ayurveda, um, that, and it seems that we have in the West anyway a strong cultural bent um, towards Agni, um, towards this fire and intensity, and um, you know I think we see it even in um, many of the yoga practices that are being you know held up today. Um, you know, more fire, more intensity, um, and that that coming around to the balance with soma is sometimes missing. Yes, in fact, uh, that's a very interesting idea. Now everything has to be hot, hot <laughs> yoga, hot this, hot that. But it's also important to be cool. <laughs> and the general rule is we need to keep the belly warm but the head cool. The soma is relating to the head, the mind, the brain, uh, the you know, deeper cerebral spinal fluid, whereas the agni, the fire, the purification occurs through the digestive center. And also the soma relates to the higher chakras, particularly to the thousand-petal lotus of the head, uh, or the crown chakra, which is specifically called the soma chakra, and it also has a smaller, even more specific soma chakra below it, whereas the agni relates to the lower chakras, particularly the root chakra where you have the kundalini form of the agni or the fire. So essentially we need to burn up and purify the ego below and rejuvenate and transform or bring out the soul, the divine consciousness above. The problem is today we like to, we hope we can rejuvenate and keep the ego going and we tend to ignore the soul so we have to put our agni and our soma in the right places. Exactly. And an understanding of the doshas in uh, Ayurveda, I think, are very helpful to um, getting this uh, balance. And, and uh, in your book, you also are um, pointing to the subtle counterparts of the doshas, to ojas, tejas, and prana. Um, so I know that's a big topic, but perhaps you can just say a little bit about that. Yes, the doshas, water, pitta, kapha, what we call the biological air, fire, and water humors, are essentially the negative factors that cause disease. But they have positive factors that promote positive health, longevity, and rejuvenation, which are prana, tejas, and ojas, which are the kind of the vital essences of these elements of air, fire, and uh, water. And of these, the, the ojas, the watery essence, is the most important 
And that is the essence of all the tissues of the body, specifically the essence of the reproductive uh, tissue, which is the body's soma tissue. And that ogis then becomes the basis of the uh, soma that we develop uh, in the body. It's also connected to what we call the tarpa kapha, or the soma of the brain. And that allows the feeling of contentment within. So we also need to learn how to develop these positive essences of the doshas, particularly the ojas that can be brought and aligned to the soma and can be spiritualized and connected to the inner soma. And traditional yoga has always emphasized developing ojas and developing soma, soma being a deeper spiritual uh, and mental level, and ojas kind of being more the outer uh, physical uh, energy for rejuvenation and uh, regeneration. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is a subtle um, energy form that you're that you're speaking about. Um, and so, what are some of the ways that we develop this um, subtle energy or enhance it? Um, you know, ways like uh, can we can we do this with diet? Does diet play an important role in um, even though this is subtle energy? Well, first of all, we have to understand there are many levels of soma, and from the gross also to the subtle. And food is the foundation of the physical body, so rejuvenation of the body has to rest upon a certain proper uh, rejuvenative diet, which is very strongly connected to the yogic diet with the fair amount of usage of fruit, of seeds and nuts, of uh, fresh fruit, and also strengthening uh, root vegetables, uh, good oils. In Ayurveda, we also emphasize a good quality of uh, dairy products as well. And then these are aligned with special uh, rejuvenative type herbs. There are rejuvenative herbs for the different tissues and organs of the body. Uh, These are things like ashwagandha, shatavari. Uh, There's a whole set of these, amla, chavan, prash. So these also come in as a more subtle nutritive agent. And then we go to yet subtler levels of rejuvenative sensory impressions, rejuvenative pranayama, rejuvenative uh, meditation, and even devotion as a power of rejuvenation of the heart. So whatever we can um, do in terms of lifestyle that um, will help to bring this balance um, will be enhancing to Soma and help us connect to the, the essence um, within us. So diet plays a strong role in it, and as you've said, herbs, but also um, our spiritual practices um, such as um, pranayama and um, meditation. Um, it, and it seems, and I was mentioning in the beginning, that so much in our culture um, is sort of Agni-oriented, um, you know, not just in our yoga, our spiritual practice, but of course, so so there's so much uh, stimulation uh, going on around us now with the technologies that we have, and it seems that that these. Um, Enhanced technologies, while they're very useful tools, we're using them this morning with appreciation, um, also contribute to um, sort of burning up our our energy um, if we're not careful about how we use them. So it it seems that part of um, rejuvenation is learning how to come into the proper balance um, with all this stimulus around us. 
Yes, that's an extremely important point. It is a very strong connection between the soma of the mind and our sensory impressions. And natural, wholesome sensory impressions from nature or from chanting spiritual practices renews our inner soma. But stimulation from the outside tends to deplete our inner soma. And so this excess culture of stimulation we have is causing the big problem of depression, and depression is nothing but the counterpart of too much stimulation. Over time, stim uh, stimulation will lead to uh, depression. And then also this culture of stimulation makes our sensory levels, our rate, move too fast. We have all these fast impressions around us which depletes us, and that also can then slow us down within in that we cease to be creative internally because we are so stimulated externally. And you know, this is sort of a outside of the outside of the box question, but I'm curious if it if it's sort of entered into your reflections on this um, that in terms of personality style um, or personality type, you know, we have the two basic types of introversion and extroversion, and um, you, you know, as a Personally, as an introvert, you know, I it, it's easy for me to see um, when I become too externally stimulated and it depletes my inner resources. But those who are um, uh, extroverted, you know, do receive some of their nurturance, um, you know, through that external connection and stimulation. So, I don't know, has this entered into your assessment of how this works for people? Uh, yes, it has. And on one level, it depends on what we're introverting and what we're extroverting. We, of course, need to introvert to our divine essence, not into our psychological moodiness mm -hmm. and extrovert we need to extrovert in terms of work and service and teaching for the upliftment of humanity rather than simply seeking pleasure for our personal self although there's a certain delight in life that we should be certainly uh, willing uh, to uh, experience uh, so that is that is an important point to uh, consider and not everything externally is a wrong stimulation you know, proper food is necessary for the body, proper exercise is necessary for the body, uh, healthy relationships, healthy emotions are necessary for the mind, but we should give, I have a, what I call two-thirds, one-third rules. One-third of our awareness attention should go to the outside, but two-thirds to the inside. We're not saying that 100% of your attention should go to just sitting and meditating. You should ignore your social duties and responsibilities, but you should recognize that at the end of the life, the most important thing is the inner practice, so that requires giving, giving it priority, particularly as we get uh, older in life and our outer responsibilities have hopefully been taken care of to some degree. Mm, I love that two-thirds, one-third. As you said that, I, I was reflecting on that. I'm sure that you've seen that photograph of Lahiri Mahashaya where his, his eyes are opened, you know, like one-third, two-thirds. It um, uh, was sort of focused his energy within. And, and, of course, we wouldn't have to perform that uh, mudra, but to understand, um, you know, it's really, you've just given a beautiful description of what it's like to be in the world, um, open to the, the beauty of it, the pleasure of it, the joy of it, while being anchored in the self. And this is really the secret of yoga, isn't it? 
And also the secret of immortality is also rejuvenation through nature. So we need a deeper connection uh, with nature, with the elements, with the, the trees, the flowers. These are where the rejuvenating prana comes from, whereas too much media stimulation, it doesn't have that positive prana, so it depletes you. So we do need to also include into this this return to nature. And we also have to recognize that there is a bliss and beauty behind nature and that nature is not just simply a production of the divine. Nature is the divine in manifestation. Or as we say, there is one reality, the cosmic ocean, and we are the waves on the sea, but the waves are also the sea. So we need to reestablish our cosmic connection rather than being too simply caught up in the outer human world. We need to give, our, give the proper importance to the outer life, but we need to recognize the greater universe and open up to its bliss and grace. That is the flow of Soma. Mm, that a beautiful description of being in the in the world in the aliveness of the world the joy of it the divine presence of it uh, connecting to that i'm ellen grace o'brien and you're listening to the yoga hour with special guest vedacharya david frawley you can visit his website vedanet.com and uh, also, you'll want to get his new book, Soma in Yoga and Ayurveda, The Power of Rejuvenation and Immortality. And that's what we're um, drawing our conversation from this morning. We'll be right back with you. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. You've seen reality TV. Well, now, get ready for Reality Radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio.
You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and our guest today is Vedacharya David Frawley. And we've been uh, drawing um, from his new book, Soma in Yoga and Ayurveda, The Power of Rejuvenation and Immortality. It's a wonderful book. Um, it's a, it's a, um, an in-depth text on this subject. And uh, so I highly recommend it. I'm enjoying it um, very much. And you can um, get your copy from Lotus Press. And there's an 800 number for Lotus Press, and that is 800-824-6396. And, of course, if you're at um, CSE in San Jose, you can get a copy there in the bookstore. But Lotus Press... 800-824-6396. So we've been talking about uh, immortality, and um, in this last segment, we're going to focus on it from the standpoint of yoga. And so this full practice of yoga, of course, is is not just uh, asana um, uh or even not just um, meditation, but it's a whole lifestyle that includes pranayama and meditation. And and in your book, um, you do talk about pranayama and meditation as as critical um, healing therapies um, for soma. So let's go there. Yes, Alan, that, those are very, very important points. And the interesting thing to note is that the same essence of uh, we talked about as secretion of the brain, the same soma essence that can come out of the physical body is also the basis for developing the subtle body and connecting us to the immortal essence of consciousness that we can experience through the subtle body and particularly through the crown chakra or thousand petal lotus of the head. In yoga, there's a lot of talk about the kundalini force, which is the agni force that awakens, arises from the lower chakras, that is purifying, uh, that is heating, and all of that. But that agni or kundalini force is arising to return to the soma, to experience the soma, which is the amrit, the nectar, the flow of divine grace. So yoga involves balancing both Agni and Soma and bringing the inner flow of Soma. It's that inner flow of Soma that opens the nadis, that brings the coolness, the peace, the bliss that connects us to the immortal essence. So once we have balanced our energies through the Ayurveda and the doshas and awakened these subtle essences like prana, tejas, Ojas, then we can begin to experience their immortal essences and their powers within the subtle body. Even the central channel, the Shishumna, is also sometimes called the Soma channel because it's where the Soma can flow. And it's the Kundalini, again, that is awakening to experience and connect with the Soma. So we tend to burn ourselves out if our practices are too willful, uh, too effort-oriented, or too fiery-oriented, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we need to balance that with the soma, the grace, the bliss, the devotion, the descent uh, from above, and that is the basis of the inner yoga practices. 
And one of the best ways to approach that is through the pranayama. Pranayama, is, pranayama tends to be agni-based or heating, but there are inner cooling pranayamas that can be done. And the purpose of the pranayama is to balance the outer fire and water energies so that we can connect to the inner agni and soma and have that alignment with the divine light and with the divine bliss that allows us to touch our true immortality and to experience it in our everyday moment-by-moment awareness. And as you, you know, speak about pranayama and uh, its connection, in its potential connection to to soma, I'm I'm thinking about you know my own practice and of course kriya, uh, kriya yoga pranayama, you know, which um, can be heating. And I I was thinking about you know Lahiri Mahashaya. Um, uh, emphasizing how important it is to sit in the after, what he called the after effects pose of Kriya. And really that's the soma phase in which, you know, the, there's a, you know, one with pranayama ones working with a shushumna and raising the energy. Um, but then it, it, it's critical to sort of take part two, which is, um, the opening of this cooling uh, energy, the opening of the crown, and having that um, pervade uh, the consciousness. So I don't know if that makes sense, but... Yes, well, there's some very interesting things here. One is, is that the kundalini comes up, but actually cools. And so as the, as the, it's like electricity. Electricity can run a uh, heater, but it can also run a refrigerator. So as it arises properly, it actually will eventually have a cooling effect. And then there's the alliance of pranayama with the soma place, which is the uh, soft palate of the mouth, uh, which is the place of what is called the Kachari Mudra in the yogic thought, which is where you drink the soma or imbibe the soma. So there is that whole soma aspect of pranayama that one is aiming at and the connection of the tongue and the inner sense of taste uh, with that. So there is a whole soma aspect of pranayama that is also there and a whole soma aspect of the energy which brings the awakening of the higher chakras and the uh, flow of bliss. And it's so it's so helpful to understand that uh, in the language, you know, the way that you have described it, because otherwise, I think it's possible, you know, for a newcomer to pranayam to simply use it in a way that is too heating and that just burns up the system. It's like trying to get somewhere and, um, you know, missing um, that we actually are not trying to get anywhere, but we're, you know, trying to um, simply be completely. Uh, what we are and and where we are and that's the soma aspect um, that comes in and, and in your book too you have mentioned that meditation is probably the most important of all healing therapies so um, would you speak a little bit about that yes because it is meditation that allows us to heal at a deeper level of the heart which includes the emotional level which includes the a subconscious level, and there's a very interesting principle at play for actually for all forms of healing. Wherever you create space, silence, and stillness of a natural type, not enforced, but arrived at through surrender, through inner search, then a natural healing or transformation occurs. So in the natural state of meditation, which is that inner state of silence where we let go, where we merge back into our deeper core nature, 
there will be a natural healing of the mind, a natural healing of the heart, and a healing that comes from connecting to the inner power of peace, which is the foundation for the real bliss or ananda. So all of yoga is a kind of a strategy to balance and harmonize and silence and still the outer aspects of our nature so that in meditation, that natural transformation, that inner soma can flow. Uh, we often compare a meditation to the stillness of a mountain lake, and it is in the stillness of the mountain lake that the flowers of soma bloom. Mm. Absolutely, and you know, and in the simplest way, we we look at it as simply um, being restored, you know, to our original wholeness. That's what happens, you know, when we when our awareness is no longer fragmented, and we can actually connect to and rest in the self. We have just a couple of minutes left, and I I don't want to miss um, touching on something you have included in your book that is so important, which is. Uh, you know why soma the connection to it is so important to our culture and to our planet today so i'm going to ask you to just conclude with that thought if you would well we live in the era of high-tech stimulants of artificial somas of all kinds they're bombarding us from every side from new medias from new screens to new recreational and designer drugs to access to every form of food and travel and sensory entertainment. And again, these have a something of a place, but our true happiness must come from within. So we're progressively losing our inner soma to this outer soma of the modern world. And if we allow that to continue, our cultural and personal malaise, depression, anxiety, stress, overwork is going to continue. So if we want to renew our culture and ourselves, we need to develop the culture of soma, which is the culture of meditation, the culture of rejuvenation, retreat, uh, receptivity, more feminine values, opening up uh, to the earth, uh, to the waters, to the sky, to space, to stillness, to solitude, to heart connections with people rather than to simply entertainment uh, getting together events. So Soma gives us a whole vision of a new spiritual order to the world as well as an understanding of the current material order we have that has been based upon our control of outer forms of soma. So let us have the development of the inner forms of soma to complement and compensate for the outer forms of soma because it's the inner soma that we take with us. It's the inner soma that is our true heart and essence. It is that bliss, divine love within us that is the most important thing, and that is the universal principle that connects us to all beings. That is what we really need to nurture. All of our technological expertise and conveniences have their place, but they should not be a substitute for a deeper life of spirit and consciousness. I would also like to conclude the power of devotion or divine love is also one of the natural somas that can heal us on all levels, heal our relationships, heal our society, and heal both body and mind. Mm. Thank you so much, Vamadeva. I really appreciate hearing from you today, and it's wonderful to conclude with this 
deeper understanding of what a culture of soma is really a culture of wholeness um, completeness that um, brings a cure for greed that um, damages our individual lives and our planetary lives so it's a beautiful vision um, that is raised up now in our conversation and certainly in your work uh, in this definitive work your new book soma in yoga and arveda um, I want to again point our listeners to um, Vamadeva's website, which is vedanet.com, and there you can find um, information about his books, his teaching schedule, and also some wonderful works by his wife, Yogini Shambhavi. So, um, and you can get his book again at Lotus Press, 800 824 6300. Nine six. Um, please join us next week for a program on retreating into the heart of stillness with special guest, the Venerable John Hugh. For information about upcoming programs at CSE, um, particularly the Yoga and Meditation Retreat for Women in July, visit our website, csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, Armageddon, the Lake of Fire, and then the choir of angels singing as Jesus emerges from the clouds. Ah, the book of Revelation. Are we really destined to the gloom and doom presented in the final book of the Bible? Or is it possible that within Revelation lies a spiritual guide to the human experience? Listen to this special series as Rev. Ed Townley, the author of Kingdom Come, and Rev. Ellen Debenport, author of The Five Principles, contemplate the truth about the book of Revelation. These colleagues and longtime friends discuss the convoluted symbolism of Revelation, because Rev. Ed insists in his new book about Revelation that it's actually filled with positive reinforcement and helpful guidance. The Book of Revelation, an apocalyptic end-of-the-world prophecy, or a personal, practical guide to spiritual growth. Listen in to find out. The series begins Tuesday, April 16th at 6 p.m. Central Time. Kingdom Come, a journey through the Book of Revelation, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, 
either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. These days it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 